Well, good morning. He is risen. Amen. Well, it is a joy to be here with you this morning. Got a few announcements for you. Um, For those who are interested in going on our Alaska mission trip, uh, November 30th is kind of the deadline for you to let Brother Randy know that you are interested. Let me just remind you that the cost of this is $350 a person plus your airfare. And you can see Brother Randy. He'll be able to give you all the answers uh, for this. Also, uh, we have Carols by Candlelight coming up on December 10th and 11th. I think that's like two weeks away. Um, man, like this, this year is flying by. Um, it's on 10th and 11th of December at 6 p.m. There's no ticket required. And Brother Aaron has asked that you invite your friends, your neighbors, and all those who need to hear about Jesus. We also have a Lottie Moon Christmas offering. I'll talk a little bit about it in the message today. But the Lottie Moon Christmas offering that's going on between now and Christmas goes to our International Mission Board. And it helps fund all of the Baptist missionaries that are all over the world. This past week, I had the opportunity to uh, go and be a part and to see what's happening on the ground. And I have to tell you, it was incredible to see what the IMB is doing. Um, You know, when it comes to missions, the IMB understands how to take care of their people. Uh, Even having uh, security things in place, accountability, um, they make sure they're fully taken care of. And it all happens through the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. And so I would just challenge you to uh, pray about this. And let's give, uh, I I was told that it takes about $60,000 for one person to be on the field for the whole year. Now that's everything. That's like their salary, that's their retirement, that's their housing, their medical, um, their food, their, it's, it's everything. And so I think that we as Luke 4.18 can really pray about, let's, let's make that our, our goal, 60,000 this year, to be able to cover one person on the field. I also want to share uh, a great welcome to the Mission of Hope who's here today with us. Thank you all so much for being with us today. And then I want to give you just a quick disclaimer. I have really bad jet lag. Um, So be praying for me as I uh, stand up to proclaim God's word today. We had 48 hours of travel to get back to the States. And uh, I thought I was good the first two days. And then the third day came. And uh, so be praying for me today. If my mind, if I have to take a minute to get things going in my mind, just know uh, I think it's like 11 o'clock at night right now. Uh, but let's go to the Lord in prayer as we begin today. Father, you are so good and we praise your holy name. Father, I thank you for all that you showed me this past two weeks. Father, my heart breaks for the but my heart rejoices in the work that is being done. Father, my heart rejoices in the gospel going forth and many coming to see you high and lifted up and walking away from all the false religions and turning to you. So Father, I pray as as we look today, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So we beseech you, the Lord of the harvest, to send workers into your harvest. Now, Father, we, we love you, we praise you, and we give you all glory today, and we ask that you would meet here with us. May our hearts be open to what you are speaking today, and most of all, may your name be glorified. It's in your precious and holy name, the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.
Amen. Good morning. Uh, thank you for worshiping with us. If you're a guest with us, we'd love to get to know you a little bit better. If you'll fill out that welcome card and put it in one of the boxes at the back of the room or off to the side, uh, we would love to give you a little bit more information about Luke 14 Fellowship. Today, we are here to worship in spirit and in truth. Why don't you stand with me and let's sing together. Why don't you welcome someone around you today? Sing to the King who is coming to reign. Glory to Jesus, the Lamb that was slain. Life and salvation, His empire shall bring. And joy to the coming to reign. Amen. Glory to Jesus, the Lamb that was slain. Life and salvation, His empire shall bring. And joy to the nations when Jesus is King. Here we go. Come, let us sing a song, a song declaring that we belong to Jesus. He is all we need. Amen. Lift up a heart of praise. Sing now with voices raised to Jesus. Sing to the King. For his returning, we watch and we pray. We're going to be ready. For his returning, we watch and we pray. We will be ready the dawn of that day. We'll join in singing with all the redeemed. Amen. Can you 
say that this morning? He is all that we need because of the amazing grace that he has given us at Calvary. Who breaks the power of sin and darkness? Whose love is mighty and so much stronger? The King of glory, the King above all kings. Who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder? The King of glory, the King above all This is amazing grace, this is unfailing love, that you would take my place, that you would bear my cross, you lay down your our chaos who brings our chaos back into order who makes the orphan a son and daughter the king of glory the king above all kings who rules the nations with truth and justice shines like the sun in all of its brilliance, the King of glory, the King above all kings. Yeah, this is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my done for me. Psalm 86, 9 says, all nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, and they shall glorify your name, for you are great and do wondrous deeds. You alone are God. Our God is worthy. Amen. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Sing it out today. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Sing it again. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Sing it louder. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Come on, church. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy, worthy, worthy. Is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. 
that you would bear my cross. You lay down your life that I would be set free. Oh, Jesus, I sing for all that you've done for me. Oh, all that you've done for me. Thank you, Jesus, for your amazing grace. Amen. You can clap your hands for that. We just sang that we have a King of kings and a Lord of lords whose reign will never end. We just sang about a Savior who gave us amazing grace. A grace that holds on to us. We are in the palm of His hand and nobody can take us out of that hand. Amen? We're about to sing about a Savior who wants to know about our daily life and help us through the valleys that we go through. We are sheep with a good shepherd. Amen? Let's sing this together. When all I see is the battle You see my victory When all I see is a mountain, you see a mountain move. And as I walk through the shadows, your love surrounds me. Amen. There's nothing to fear now, for I can save with you. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees With my hands lifted high Oh God, the battle belongs to you And every fear I lay at your feet I'll sing through the night Oh God, the battle belongs to you And if you are for me, who can be against me? For Jesus, there's nothing impossible for you. When all I see are the ashes, you see. When all I see is a cross, God, you see the empty tomb. So when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh, the battle belongs to you. And every fear I lay at your feet, I'll sing through the night. The battle belongs to you. Almighty fortress, you go before us. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. 
together. Lord, give us a vision. Give us a direction. Show us the works that you want us to do. Be thou my vision. Let's sing. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart. Not be all else to me, save that thou art. my wisdom. Be thou my wisdom and thou my true
pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we say today, we want you to be the ruler of our life. Top spot on the throne. Everything else grows strangely dim. We pray that you would be with us as we lead our families, as we go into our community, as we get to know you better each and every day, as we grow together as the body of Christ and abide in you. We pray that there will be much fruit from this church, not for our glory, but for your glory. We pray that you would send us out as a group, as an individual. There's a whole lot of people that need your son. I pray if there is one here today that needs Jesus Christ as their Savior, who has lost all hope, has lost all direction, has lost joy, I pray that they would run to the cross, run to Jesus. His righteousness can save. The grace that He gives is unending and it will not give on on us. Lord, we thank You for this amazing grace and for this life that You have given us to live together as the body of Christ. It's in Your name we pray. Yeah. Uh-huh.
There can be such sweet reward when we wait upon the Lord as He takes the time He gives His perfect wisdom to be found in Him alone all our deepest secrets known we're surrounded by His grace when we seek His face in your If you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, open up to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 10. We're going to be in verses 1 through 16. You may say, well, David, I thought that we were in the Sermon on the Mount. Well, we are, and we will continue the Sermon on the Mount after Christmas. So the next couple of weeks, we will uh, take a break from the Sermon on the Mount. And today, I'm going to share with you what the Lord put on my heart uh, the past two weeks while I was in South Asia. I do want to start by saying to the church, thank you so much uh, for not posting uh, on Facebook that, that I was going to be gone or that Brother Randy uh, was going to be gone. Uh, and the reason that we asked you not to do that was not out of necessarily security concerns for us, but for those that we were working with. And I want to thank you for doing that. This Wednesday night, we're going to, I'm going to share a lot of what happened um, this past two weeks. So this Wednesday night, we will not have live stream. Now, I know that 
there's going to be people who want to see it, and I will meet with the choir and share with them as well because I know that they would want to be a part of that. But there's reasons behind it, and I'll share even more uh, Wednesday night why we're doing it that way. Um, And I will be sharing with you locations and pictures and different things as long as they don't go online. Last week, Matthew did a wonderful job uh, in our absence. He preached on uh, the duty or delight over duty. And I think that that's a great precursor to the message today. I want you to hear that what I'm going to share with you today is not to make the American church feel guilty and then go and do missions. What I want you to hear today is that when we delight and when we abide in God, then we're going to go. We're going to go here in our city, in our nation, and in the world. Church, just a few things that the Lord showed me in the last two weeks. One is that we are so, so rich in America. I saw people who were working a day job that was eight to ten hours of manual labor and they made two to three dollars a day. My heart broke for the lostness all around me. But I was encouraged by the believers. They were not concerned with buildings. They were not concerned with tradition. They weren't even concerned with being persecuted. But they sang with all their heart loudly, giving praises to God for what he has done in their life. I pray that that we would in our heart recognize what God has done and rejoice as they did. I told them that it was a joy to see the, the, the smiles and the peace on their face of what the gospel has done in their life. So today, as we look at Luke 10, 1 through 16, I'm going to share with you as much as I'm able to now, but I'll share even more Wednesday, of what took place this past week or the past two weeks. I thought about teaching on the thorn in my flesh since Randy was with me for 15 days, but no, I'm just picking. It says this in Luke 10, 1 through 16, it says, or 1 through 15. Now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of them to every city and place where he himself was going to come. And he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, But the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go, and behold, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money belt, no bag, no shoes, and greet no one on the way. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking what they give you. For the laborer is worthy of his wage. Do not keep moving from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat with them. Uh, Eat what is set before you. And heal those in it who are sick. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter and they do not receive you, go into the streets And say, even the dust of your city which clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come near. 
I say to you, it will be better, it will be more tolerable in the day for Sodom than for that city. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon and judge, in the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will not be exalted to heaven, will you? You'll be brought down to Hades. Let's pray. Father, you are so good and we praise your holy name. Father, I confess that I am desperately dependent on you for all things, including preaching the gospel. And on a day that my mind and body thinks that it's midnight, Father, I know that you will give me the strength to proclaim the truth today. Holy Spirit, give us and a heart to understand, illuminate the pages that we may place this into our life. And most of all, may your name be glorified. For it's in your precious and holy name. Amen. When we look at this passage, we see that Jesus is sending out the 70. We also see in other passages in uh, the Gospels that uh, Jesus is speaking to also the disciples. In Matthew 9, 36-38, it says, Seeing the people, he felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out workers in to his harvest. Many theologians have argued whether these are the same story or two different ones, because in Luke we see the 70, and in Matthew we see... The, the, the disciples. But what's very interesting in Matthew is that it gives us the heart of Christ. It shows us why Jesus is sending out the 70. It says this, He felt compassion for them because they were distressed and dispirited like sheep without a shepherd. That word there means that he had agony seeing the people in this condition. Have you ever hurt for a loved one because of what they were going through. See, people were and are today weary and worn out seeking joy and satisfaction from success, from money, from fame, pleasures, you name it. All these roads lead to pain and emptiness. We see that the scripture says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God comes to give us life. All the roads lead to pain and emptiness except for the one, which is Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way in John 14, 6. I am the truth and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It says in the, in the scripture that uh, if, the, if the Son has set you free, then you are free indeed. Jesus truly had compassion upon the people because of the effects of sin. That it had separated them from a holy God. Now, Jesus knew that he was headed to the cross and praise God through his sacrifice upon the cross and being raised from the dead on the third day, he became the propitiation for our sin. Do we see people the way that Jesus saw people? Do we have compassion upon the lost? Do we recognize that they're worn out by the things of this world, that they're a sheep without a shepherd? 
In Luke chapter 10, we see that Jesus speaks of this harvest in verse 2. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest and send out laborers in his harvest. When Jesus speaks of this harvest, he says that it's plentiful. And let me just tell you, I saw the plentifulness of the harvest over the last two weeks. But all throughout Scripture, when Jesus is speaking of a harvest, oftentimes he's speaking of judgment that is to come. In Matthew 13, verses 24 through 30, and then an explanation in verse 36 through 43, it says this, Jesus presented another parable to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sows good seed in the field. But while his men were sleeping, the enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went away. But when the wheat sprouted and bore grain, then the tares became evident also. The slaves of the landowner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in your field? How then does it have tares? And he said to them, An enemy has done this. The slaves said to him, Do you want us then to go and gather them up? But he said, No. For while you are gathering up the tares, you may uproot the harvest or the wheat with them. Allow both to grow together until the harvest, and in the time of the harvest I will say to the reaper, First gather up the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them up. But gather up the wheat into my barn. We see on down in verse 36 the understanding of this passage. Then he left the crowds and he went into the house and his disciples came to him, explained to us the parable of the tares and the field. He said this in verse 38, or 37, I'm sorry. The one who sows the good seed is the son of man. And the fields is the world. And as for the good seed, these are the sons of the kingdom, and the tares are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil, and the harvest is at the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. In verse 41, or excuse me, verse 40, So just as the tares are gathered up and burned with fire, you shall be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness, and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their Father. He who has ears, let them hear. Church, when Jesus is saying that the harvest is plentiful, he is speaking in some sense of the judgment that is to come. He's sharing with them that only those that are wheat will be gathered up into the kingdom of God, but the tares will be thrown into the fire. Church, the harvest truly is plentiful. This past two weeks, as I said, I've never seen lostness as much as I did. In this region that we were in, there was 600 million people. Just so that you understand, in America, there's about 300 to 330 million people. Double the size of America in a space, at least a third of the size of America. And to help you understand, 99% are unreached and never heard the gospel. There's about 3,500 deaths a day. 
Church, I saw false gods all over the place. It seemed as prevalent as Southern Baptist churches in the Bible Belt. Literally, there were temples to worship everywhere. Worshiping uh, animals, worshiping different little g-gods, singing and, and clanging of instruments, thinking that their worship will be heard. I literally watched families gather with a priest to cremate their deceased loved ones in the river. For they believe that if the ashes of their loved one, if it touches this river, then they will have salvation and reincarnation. Church, the harvest is truly plentiful. As I was flying back, I began to think about Mobile, Alabama. I began to think about our city. Now, in Mobile, Alabama, I don't know if this is 100% accurate, but I found it on the internet. You know, everything's on the internet's true. There's about 415,000 people. Okay, in that area that we were in, 600 million. And in Mobile, about 415. And according to some studies, 61% are religious in Mobile, Alabama. But can we get real? 61%, if they're truly religious, we would see a different city than we see today. So we can recognize that that number is not true. In Mobile, Alabama, in the Bible Belt, you gain something by calling yourself a Christian. People have literally said, yeah, I'm a Christian, but here's how I live my life. And I'm like, you don't understand the gospel. Because when you come to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, you lay your life down for the kingdom of God. Church, I know that the lostness is not as vast as 600 million in a small area in South Asia. But let me tell you, God has put us here in Mobile, Alabama for a purpose and for a reason. And that's to go to the 415,000 people in this city and to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. Jesus continues on. He says, the harvest is plentiful. But then he says this, the workers are few. Church, in that 600 million people, The IMB has 10 workers. Now, that doesn't count the hundred or so pastors and other organizations that are in that area, but I guarantee you the percentage is very, very low. But can I tell you that in that area, people are coming to faith constantly. The church is growing and thriving When people come to faith and they take baptism, they're literally leaving everything behind. So what about here in our city? How many born-again believers truly see that it's their calling to share the gospel with others? How many born-again believers in this city truly see that it is our calling by God to share the gospel with all those that we come in contact with. So what do we do? What do we do? Because the harvest is plentiful and the workers are few, even in Mobile. So what do we do? Jesus says this, so beseech the Lord of the harvest. Pray to God. You know what I love about this is God calls us to pray before we go. 
He calls us to pray before we go. We must be men and women of prayer. I want to thank you for those who prayed for this team of three as we were in South Asia and and, and had that wonderful time there. Previous to us going, I spent time in prayer. I prayed before I accepted that invitation. We prayed before and we have prayed since we have gone for the brothers in Christ who are still there proclaiming the gospel. Church, are we men and women who are on our knees? Brother Fred shared with me a story one time that was kind of a joke, but it was very serious. He said there was two pastors, and their wives were sewing their pants. One pastor had a thriving ministry, and the other pastor didn't have a thriving ministry. The pastor who had a thriving ministry, the wife was sewing holes in his knees. But the pastor who didn't have a thriving ministry, the wife was sewing holes in the back of his pants. Because one had been on his knees before holy God and the other one had just sat. Church, do we fall on our face and cry out to God to give us wisdom, direction, guidance, to show us, to lead us? But do we also ask God to send workers into his harvest? Do we literally pray, God, send workers into your harvest? Can we start right here in Mobile, Alabama and say, God, put on the hearts of born-again believers to share the gospel with people of peace. God, put on our heart that when we're out and about, not to be so busy and so focused on what we're doing that we miss what you're doing and what you're calling us to do. But do we also pray that God would send out those on short-term missions? Can I tell you, my heart breaks after the two weeks. Do we pray that God would send people on short-term mission to encourage those who are there, giving their whole life and their family there, serving Christ? Church, do we pray for those? That God would send more people to be full-time missionaries all over the world? You say, David, what if like the best, uh, most knowledgeable person goes and they leave? That means you have to say bye to them here at Luke 4.18. You know what? I rejoice because God will continue to raise up people and they're going forth to share the gospel with many, many, many more. See, too often the church has become, no, we've got to stay right here. And God is saying, no, send the people out. Here in the city, here in the nation, in the world, and even long-term missions. God gave us a command in Matthew 28, verse 19. Many of you all know the passage. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And praise God, he says, and I will be with you always to the end of the age. I had a missionary tell me one time, that his family had given up everything to seek, or they had given up everything in life to seek after the souls 
of men. Church, laying down your life is not simply moving to another country, but it is being focused on your calling to go more than your own kingdom. Let me just say that again. Laying down your life for the gospel is not simply moving to another country, but it is being more focused on your calling to go than your own kingdom. So church, if we're going to commit to praying and saying, God, send out workers into your harvest, let me ask you this question. Are you willing to be the answer to that prayer? I have a dear friend who tells me all the time, he says, we don't need to pray things that we're not willing to be the answer to. Are you willing to be the answer right here in this city because God's calling you? Are you willing to be the answer if he tells you to go to the state, if he tells you to go to the nation, if he tells you to go to the nations all over the world? Are you willing to say, yes, Lord, here am I, send me? The next thing that we see in this passage is that God sends them out, and I love that. Look at what he says in verse 4. Go, behold, I send you out. Go, for I send you out. This means that you're not going in your own authority, but you're going in the authority of God. Let me just remind you, we just said uh, Matthew 28, verses 19 and 20, but let me go back to verse 18 of that passage. In Matthew 28, verse 18, it says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority has been given to me, in heaven and on earth, and then what does he say? Go. Go therefore. Church, God is the one who is sending us out. He has all authority. And he has given to you and me a calling to be ambassadors, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He's called us to be ambassadors like uh, a person sent to a foreign land under the authority of the king to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to that foreign land. And let me tell you, Mobile, Alabama is a foreign land to the kingdom of God. Church, he has called us and he has given us the incredible privilege of being ambassadors to take the gospel It says this in verse 20 of 2 Corinthians 5. Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Church, we're his ambassadors. Can I tell you that we often feel unequipped for the task? We often feel like I don't know what to say. We often say, well, I need some more training. Maybe if I come to the the church building, uh, you know, for six months and training, then I'll be ready to go out and share the gospel in Mobile, Alabama. But you have forgotten that God sent the Holy Spirit of promise to dwell within you. And in the scripture, it says that when you come before kings and other people, don't worry about what you're going to say, but the Holy Spirit will give you the words to speak. That doesn't mean that we're not diving into God's word daily. For I've hidden his word in my heart 
that I would not sin against him. Jeremiah said, I found his word, I ate it. Uh, Ezekiel said it was like honey to my lips. Church, we're called to be in God's word and we need to study God's word. But, but it is no excuse to say, I'm not well enough prepared to share the gospel. The Holy Spirit dwells within you. Yield to the Holy Spirit of promise. This past week, when we landed on the ground and got over jet lag, and thank you for praying, I know that this sounds silly, but it was a huge prayer answered, but I have a gluten intolerance, and God gave me strength until I got back to Mobile. And so thank you for praying for that. We ate food that I've never seen before. We stayed in hotels that were $10 a night. But God gave us the strength. We prepared our hearts to proclaim and teach that which they were going to be teaching at the locations when we got there to speak to the pastors. But twice this happened to me. I don't know if it happened to Brother Randy um, or Daniel, but it happened to me twice that they looked at me and said, hey, we want you to speak and here's what they need you to speak on. And you got five minutes. I said, okay. This is going to be interesting. But instead of opening this and trying to cram, you know what I did? I just fell on my knees. And I said, God, I'm helpless. But you're all powerful. And Father, you give me the words to speak. Yes, I've studied your word for years and I love your word. And Father, bring to my mind that which I have studied in these areas. Now, one of the two was on the book of Ephesians, so we were good to go. And those who don't know, we taught Ephesians for over a year here, so I had this iPad and I was able to pull up some notes. But isn't that God's timing? That he had put it all together? We prayed and we asked the Holy Spirit to give the words to speak. It was very interesting. I went into this room to pray. And as I was praying, I heard some noise. And it was just me in this really tiny room praying for the Scripture and all of a sudden I looked over and there was these, this, this mouse running by. And I was like, I, Lord, I'm done. I'm good. You gave me the word. If you can speak through a donkey, you can speak through me. I, mouse, mice are not my thing. And can I tell you that God answered that prayer? As I proclaimed the truth through a translator, getting to see the nods and the smiles on the people's faces as God's word was opened. Jesus then says on here, he says in verse 3, he says, go, behold, I send you out. He gives us the authority. And then this is very interesting. I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Do you realize that the shepherd is called to protect the sheep from the wolves? That's what a shepherd does. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to send you out as lambs amongst the wolves. But can I tell you, Jesus is not sending us out by ourselves. The Holy Spirit, the shepherd, is with us. And God is the one who will protect us. Church, we just sang that, that the battle belongs to God. The battle belongs to God. Do you really believe that? You say, but David, I, you know, I'm good right here. I don't think that I just need to go out into where the wolves are. Well, the scripture says, sending you as lambs amongst the wolves. You say, but I don't want to tempt God. There's no reason to tempt God. 
Can I remind you of what was said in Caesarea Philippi? In that moment, Jesus is speaking to Peter, and Peter makes that, that proclamation. He says that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus says that God has given this to you. And he says, upon this rock I will build my church. You know what he says after that? And the gates of hell will not prevail. Now church, let me just give you a little bit of an understanding. I've never seen a gate that was used for offense. Gates are used for defense. Gates are used to keep people out. So when Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail, he's saying that when the gospel goes forth into these cities where wolves are, it's going to break down the false religions all around. Church, we can't be fearful of what the wolves can do to us. Our God is bigger. Now that doesn't mean that, hey, I'm going to go stand on the street corner in a country that doesn't want me there and proclaim, hey, God's going to protect me. But what it does mean is that we're called to go and to be wise as serpents and gentle as a dove. He calls us to go forth and to be lambs amongst the wolves. Church, how does God protect us? Ephesians 1 tells us that all authority is under the foot of Jesus. When you truly believe that, going out and sharing the gospel will not be fearful. When you truly believe that greater is he who is in us than he that's in the world, then we're not going to live in fear. Church, there will be persecution. Jesus told us that the world hated him. And if the world hates him, how much more are they going to hate us? And they're going to persecute us. And Jesus even said, bless those. Pray for those who persecute you. Church, these people who are persecuting the body of Christ, they're blinded by the enemy. They don't realize what they're doing. Their hearts are lost and they need Jesus just as everybody else. So are we going to let fear stop us? I sat in a room, 20 church pastors. Oftentimes we went in at different times so that we didn't make a big to-do. And I sat with 20 church pastors and almost every one of them has been persecuted for the gospel. Beaten. Thrown in prison. One man looked at me and his family disowned him and now he lives in a shack on the side of the road. And can I tell you the joy and the peace on his face for God is all that he needs. I had another brother in Christ that was our driver one day. And he shared with me about the church and how fast it was growing. And when asked about persecution, this is what he said. I really don't want to speak a whole lot on what the devil's doing. Let me tell you what God's doing. Oh, I loved it. Just two months ago, three brothers that I sat with were in a city meeting with pastors when they were stormed into the meeting, were radical people of a different religion, beating them, throwing them in prison. One was able to hide until later get out and go forth and get them out of prison. The brother that I was meeting with had a scar on his face because of where he had been beaten. 
Do you know how much he shared with me about the persecution? None. You know how much he shared with me about what God's doing? That was the whole conversation. But let me tell you how God works. In that village, the police did some big study, brought all the people together and said, let me just tell you, we have done a study and we have realized that there are Christian worshipers amongst you and you must let them worship in peace. God gave favor to the church. They no longer have to sneak in because of the persecution that took place. God opened the eyes of the people in the prison, the jailers, the governmental people. Church, fear will cause you, you may want to write this down, fear will cause you to do the will of the enemy. Fear will cause you to do the will of the enemy instead of the will of God. Let me just say that again. Fear will cause you to do the will of the enemy instead of the will of God. Does fear keep you from sharing the gospel in our city? Does fear uh, keep you from missing the comforts uh, for a short-term mission project? You say, David, you really stayed at a $10 a night hotel? Yeah, absolutely. And, and it was one of the nicest hotels in the city. Did you really eat food that was like from a gas station that had just a rice and who knows what was in it? Yeah. And God protected me. A man with gluten allergies. I have no clue what I ate. Does fear of persecution keep you from following God's call? Even to full-time missions? We sing that God's our all in all. We say that God is good all the time. We say that God wants what's best for us. We say that God is bigger than our enemy. Do we truly believe that? He continues on in verse 5 and on. He says, whatever, you, whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to the house. If not, it will return to you. Stay in the house, eating and drinking. I'm sorry, I've skipped verse 6. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. Church, we're called to look for people of peace. What is a person of peace? It's one who's willing to receive you, to listen, to hear. Let me give you an example. We were at a location, I'll share more about this uh, later this week, and I guess that people hadn't seen a blonde haired blue-eyed person. And so people were running up to, to me and one other wanting pictures. Now I kept trying to give them Randy, but finally this family kind of caught me and said, hey, listen, we want a family picture. I said, okay. Didn't realize the family picture was like 25 people. And so we line up for this family picture, and then they said to me, sir, you would be our guest of honor if you would come home and have dinner with us. You say, oh, no way. I would have done it in a heartbeat if they didn't live an airplane fly away. Why? Because they were offering me the opportunity to come sit with them and to share with them the truth of the gospel. They were people of peace. Church, are we looking for people of peace even in our city? Are we looking for those around who truly have a heart to hear? And let me tell you, there's a lot more people that want to know the truth than you would, be, uh, than you would think. I have a picture of that family that I will show with you um, on Sunday or on Wednesday. But they were heartbroken when I told them that we were literally flying out the next day and that there was no way to get over there. 
But I pray for them, for they are part of a false religion. There was no fear because I knew that they had peace. Then Jesus says to go and tell people the kingdom of God is near. Church, we're called to go and tell people that the kingdom of God is near. Can I tell you that when you breathe your last breath, you will stand before the holiness of God for judgment day. And we're called to tell people that the kingdom of God has come near to you. Repent and believe. Trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Church, we're called to share the truth of the gospel in love and compassion. The reality of it is this, is that sinners are in need of a Savior, and it's a sobering thought. Because sinners don't recognize that they are sinners in need of a Savior. So we share that with them. We pray that God would open their eyes to see, and we pray that they would come to know Christ as our Lord and Savior. But listen, if they don't receive, they're not rejecting you, they're rejecting God. Too often people say, I'm too afraid to be rejected, so I'm not going to share anything. And God is saying, it's not your job to bring about salvation in somebody's life. Jesus did that upon the cross. I've called you to proclaim. I've called you to share the gospel. I've called you to take it to the ends of the world. I've called you to be an ambassador. Church, are we sharing the gospel? with those in our city. So as I close today, I want to jump down to verse 13, 14, and 15. There's so much in this passage that we could get to, but I recognize that the time is short. It says, Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! For if the miracles had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. Church, when I read this, what it says is that Bethsaida and Chorazin, that they had amazing things for the gospel happen in their city. But they didn't turn. Church, can I tell you that after going to South Asia and being back here, we are so blessed. We have seen Miracle after miracle in this nation. Just the fact that this nation is a nation of freedom. The fact that God has given us medical science to be able to help us with our uh, physical ailments. Church, in that area, the life expectancy is 60 years old. Some of you are like, whoa, okay. I feel that. Church, May we, Luke 4.18, not be the Chorazin and Bethsaida. May God not say to us, Whoa, for if the miracles would have happened in other places that happened here, they would have repented long ago. Father, church, I pray that we would go forth sharing the gospel, the miracles that have happened. What's the greatest miracle? Listen, people know that I've been healed of a non-curable disease, but that's not the greatest miracle in my life. Greatest miracle in my life is that I was dead and now I'm alive. I was a sinner in need of grace and mercy, and God, through His Son Jesus, purchased that upon the cross. That's the greatest miracle in my life. Church, 
We are called to go. We're called to share. We're called to take that. And listen, I'm not up here saying that all of you are supposed to go overseas tomorrow, but I am telling you that you're called to go in Mobile today. Not even tomorrow. We don't know if we'll have tomorrow. But we have today. That as you go forth, that we're called to share with people, our neighbors, our family, our friends, our co-workers, people that you run into at the grocery store. Church, may we not be the Chorazin of this time. May we take that which God has shown us and given us, and may we take it to all those around and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, there's lostness everywhere. Don't be deceived when you say 61% are religious in Mobile, Alabama. Let me just tell you, there's a lot of religious people that are going to go to hell. There's a lot of religious people that are going to say, I did all these things for you, God. I tithe. I went to church. All these different things that I did. And he's going to say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. So church, we can sit here and say, oh, I'm frustrated with the religiosity of this city. Or we can say, no, I'm going to take the gospel to all those around this city. We can sit here and say that we're frustrated on the the governmental politics that are happening all over our nation. Or we can say, I'm going to take the one thing that will change people's heart and their life, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Church, would you answer the call to go? in the authority of Christ, every day.